believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. Hey, Miss, pass the matzah, please. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. We just celebrated the Passover memorial and have commenced with the next moed called Unleavened Bread. But what does that mean? Let's talk about it. You can email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com. Follow us on redpilltorah.podbean.com. Find us at our website, www.redpilltorah.com, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Deezer, TuneIn, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Pandora, Tumblr, and YouTube. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We want to send a big shout out to our listeners in Oregon and the UK. Amen. So, Chag Pesach Sameach. Happy Passover celebration to all who love the Elohim of Israel, all who keep his commandments. We thank you for your prayers regarding the Passover Seder, and thank you to our listeners who joined us. It was a time of great blessing, learning, and rejoicing. I enjoyed it as well, Daddy. Mm -hmm. We thank Elohim for our brother who listened to the Ruach HaKodesh in organizing this event. Some friends who attended the Seder shared that this was their first one. They were grateful to Jehovah for the opportunity to learn about the Father's appointed times and looking forward to learning more. Tim, the fire has been lit, and we must keep it going just as Elohim instructed the priests concerning the altar in Leviticus. Our Elohim is so good. Amen, Mama. He really is so good. We want to thank the bishops, pastors, and the senior elder from our synagogue as well. They are natural leaders, and they led the Seder with great power, with confidence, and under the spirit of Elohim. It's a blessing to know these wonderful men of Elohim. So, now that we've celebrated Passover, we're in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Like the other set-apart times in Jehovah's calendar, the Feast of Unleavened Bread tells us some special things about the work of Yeshua the Messiah. The scriptural explanation of the Feast of Unleavened Bread can be found in Exodus 12, beginning at verse 15. It says, For seven days you are to eat matzah. On the first day, remove the leaven from your homes. For whoever eats hummus, or leavened bread, from the first to the seventh day is to be cut off from Israel. On the first and seventh days, you are to have an assembly set aside for Elohim. On these days, no work is to be done except what each must do to prepare his food. You may do that only. You are to observe the Feast of Matzah, for on this very day I brought your divisions out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you are to observe this day from the generation to generation by perpetual regulation. Mm -hmm. From the evening of the 14th day of the first month until the evening of the 21st day, you are to eat matzah. During those seven days, no leaven is to be found in your homes. Whoever eats food with hummus in it is to be cut off from the community of Israel. It doesn't matter whether he is a foreigner or a citizen of the land. Eat nothing with hummus in it. Wherever you live, eat matzah. Wow. So we're clear that Elohim does not want us to eat anything with hummus or leaven in it. Yeah. Now, what's the significance of leaven? Well, 
Leavening is a type of the process known as fermentation. In simple terms, fermentation happens when tiny organisms like bacteria or yeast convert a carbohydrate such as starch or sugar into an alcohol or an acid. In more direct terms, fermentation could be described as controlled rotting. Humankind has known about fermentation for thousands of years. Dishes like Korean kimchi, Indian chutneys, German sauerkraut, yogurt, and some cheeses are made in part using fermentation. Now, no one likes to think of eating foods that have begun to rot a little, so words like ferment really come in handy. Yeah, I agree with that, Daddy. Mm. Uh, yeast is a live, single-celled fungus. There are more than 150 types of yeast, and many of them live all around us. Most people are familiar with the yeast that are the little granules that you find in the paper packets at the supermarket. Mm -hmm. This yeast lies dormant until it comes in contact with warm water. Then the yeast begins to feed on sugars and flour and release gases that make bread rise. Yeast also adds many of the distinctive fragrances and flavors associated with bread. As the baking process continues, the yeast fungus dies. The leavening process is an example of decay and death. When organic matter dies, these microorganisms are part of Elohim's cleanup crew. They do what they do to return the body to the dust it came from. If it weren't for the curse of death, there would be no decay as we know it because there would be no death. Mm. Now, as we know, the scriptures give distinct messages about Yeshua HaMashiach's death. For example, Psalm 16, verses 8 through 10 says, I always set Jehovah before me. With him at my right hand, I can never be moved. So my heart is glad, my glory rejoices, and my body rests in safety. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not let your faithful one see corruption. When this was written, this psalm was prophetic, speaking about Yeshua. This psalm is quoted in Acts 2, verses, verse 27, and Acts 13, verse 35. In both instances, it is used to refer to Yeshua, showing his complete faith in the Father to care for his body after his death. It reminds me of the design of the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant and the scene in the tomb after the resurrection of Yeshua. There were angels posted at opposite ends of where Yeshua's bodies laid in the tomb, and the angels depicted in that same position on the mercy seat. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, 1 Corinthians 15 has a great scripture about our bodies and the resurrection. Starting at verse 41, it says, The sun has one kind of beauty, the moon another, the stars yet another. Indeed, each star has its own individual kind of beauty. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. When the body is sown, it decays or experiences corruption. When it is raised, it cannot decay or experience corruption. When sown or buried, it is without dignity. When raised, it will be beautiful. When sown, it is weak. When raised, it will be strong. When sown, it is an ordinary human body. When raised, 
it will be a spiritual body. If there is an ordinary human body, there is also a spiritual body. In fact, the Tanakh says so. Adam, the first man, became a living human being. But the last Adam, who is Yeshua the Messiah, has become a life-giving spirit. It is becoming clear why Yeshua, the last Adam and life-giving spirit, would not be associated with leaven. We heard the word corruption mentioned in the scriptures Tim and I just read. The Hebrew word for corruption is shachat. It means decayed or polluted so much that something is ruined or beyond repair. It was first used by Elohim to describe his creation, which he had previously described as good. After fallen mankind expanded Hasatan's evil influence, Elohim said in Genesis 6 verses 11 through 13, The earth was corrupt before Elohim. The earth was filled with violence. Elohim saw the earth, and yes, it was corrupt. For all living beings had corrupted their ways on the earth. Elohim said to Noah, The end of all living things has come before me. For because of them, the earth is filled with violence. I will destroy them along with the earth. Tim, Elohim saw his creation as ruined beyond repair. He was grieved at the proliferation of violence and sin. Mankind was shachat. Mm -hmm. You know, earlier in the podcast, we talked about the significance of leaven and its connection to something being ruined beyond repair. Now, do any of these descriptors remind you of Yeshua, our Messiah? Of course they don't. That's the whole point of unleavened bread. It represents Yeshua with no decay and victorious over death. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 says, But we do see Yeshua, who indeed was made for a little while lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by Elohim's grace he might taste death for all humanity. Yeshua tasted death so we could have eternal life. He is the bread of life, as recorded in John 6 verse 35 and verse 48. Just imagine the bread of life born in Bethlehem or Beit Lechem, which is Hebrew for house of bread. That's really cool, the play on words. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Mama. The story of the great flood shows us how Elohim sees sin and its effects. Sin causes decay and ruin beyond repair. Failure to follow the Creator's instructions results in decay, corruption, and ultimately death. Sin is the transgression of the Torah, which is found in 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 4. Verse 5 goes even further, saying, And if you know that He, Yeshua, was manifest to take away our sin, in Him is no sin. The Feast of Unleavened Bread teaches us to completely consecrate or separate ourselves from anything and everything that is leavened or mm -hmm. sinful, mm -hmm. and to focus on Yeshua, the true bread of life. Keeping this feast means purging our homes and our lives of things that can cause us to be puffed up, arrogant, or rebellious in the sight of Elohim. We are to examine ourselves continuously, using the Feast of Unleavened Bread as a starting point of our journey with Yehovah. Following our celebration of the Passover lamb, 
who was slain and resurrected, we recommit to obeying his instructions. Amen. The Feast of Unleavened Bread means total separation from Egypt, which stands for this world's corrupting influences. They include many forms of entertainment, education, societal beliefs, cultural pressures, and anything that goes against the word and ways of Elohim. It can seem like a lonely journey, but we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Also, our traveling companion is the one who walked along the road to Emmaus with some of the dejected disciples in Luke chapter 24. Mm -hmm. He's the one who promised and delivered on sending the Ruach HaKodesh, the set-apart spirit, to comfort and teach us. We are not alone, even if it seems that way. So, what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs were out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and buy a pound cake for the house this week? Or would you take the red pill and clear your home and your heart of the leaven as the Father instructed? Only you can answer that question. For believers today, leavening agents are all around us. Opportunities to take offense, think impure thoughts, do something dishonest, or disobey the Torah in some way. We can be minding our own business, as we say, and respond to something someone does in a way that doesn't honor our Elohim. That's like having bits of yeast fungus flying around and randomly trying to start the leavening process or the formation of sin in our minds. Let's be vigilant these next days of unleavened bread, constantly searching our hearts and minds. Let us stay unleavened as Yeshua, our example and king, is unleavened. And when the feast is over, Let's keep being unleavened and set apart for His glory. Amen. In the book of Leviticus, we learned a lot about being set apart, holy before Elohim. Unleavened bread is mentioned several times throughout the book of Leviticus. It represents consecration. At times, it was anointed with oil. This is another picture of Messiah Yeshua, who was completely consecrated, separated, and anointed for the Father's work. The unleavened bread served as food for the priests in the meal and peace offerings, and as we are kings and priests unto Jehovah, the doctrine of Yeshua, the bread of life, must be our food. Mm -hmm. And we hope to talk more about leaven as bad doctrine in a future podcast. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Please go back and listen again to what we shared and talk about it with family and friends. Thank you for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Tour, where you can handle the truth.